Welcome to Book Plate, your monthly tithe to the book club spirits. Guardians, give us your greeting. Hi, I'm Jenny from SFFYA and FYA headquarters. I'm Brent, also from SFFYA and new writer for FYA. <laughs> and I'm Annie, podcast enthusiast. Book Plate is a digestible look at our monthly book club pick from Forever Young Adult. Forever Young Adult is a website for young adult fans who are a little less Y and a little more A. You can find us on the web at foreveryoungadult.com. This book also seemed to be a little less Y and a little more A. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) So we talked about this last month, but what's the definition again? So we do young adult, but there's also new adult. New adult tends to be people in college who, is a, to me, it's basically an excuse to put more sex in there. Graphic sex, anyway. I think those are the type of books that dominate the new adult genre, but, I mean, technically, fangirl would be That's true. new adult because they're in college. So I felt like this was more of that. I don't know. It didn't feel adult to me, even though the characters were older than your typical YA high schoolers. Yeah. They drink more regularly. (laughs) And the sex is more graphic (laughs) than in another YA book. And technically, they're even out of college, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, these are people. This is like grad school. Yeah, this is grad school. Yeah, and there was one uh, when the older sister was remembering something about her younger sister and was like, oh, back when she was 20 or something. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) So they're, yeah, they're older than high school age. It's published as an adult novel, though. It's published as... As an adult novel. As an adult novel. Okay, interesting. How did it get picked for FYA? I liked it. Oh. I really, really you chose liked it? it. Yes. Oh, okay. I know occasionally um, there are books that are not YA but popular with the YA market. Like mm-hmm. um, The Royal We. Yeah, like that one. And mm. then The uh, Darker Shade of Magic also mm-hmm. is adult, but yeah, has a wide YA audience. I don't know Darker Shade of Magic. It's all right. The sequel is better, in my opinion, and I haven't read the third one yet, but it's about parallel universes, parallel Londons. Oh, kind interesting. Of. Yeah. Anyway, that's not the book we're here to talk well about. Well, I asked Jamal, I who is it. my partner, um, who doesn't read, <laughs> <laughs> for his t- hot take on the cover. I was like, what do you think this book is about? <laughs> he said romance and horror, which I thought was like a pretty decent yeah, I mean, guess. That might be a fun feature to do. Like, ask a boy who doesn't read. <laughs> Look at this cover. <laughs> what do you think this book is about? Oh, my husband definitely <laughs> has some opinions. <laughs> I made my brother watch 15 minutes of a Doctor Who episode, and he'd never seen Doctor Who before. And I was like, so, if you were to describe Doctor Who, how would you describe it? He's like, well, and this is back during the Amy and Rory years. And he's like, I think it's about a bunch of friends who live in a phone booth. And fight aliens who want to <laughs> take over the world? I'm like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> Good job, though. We call it book plate because we're going to look at the books like a meal. So we've divided them into easily digestible portions. And our first bit is the amuse-bouche. This is Cat Howard's debut novel. Yes. She's also written a, co-written a book with Maria Devana, Devana Headley. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, called The End of the Sentence. Also an adult book. Do, have you read that? 
I have. So what did you think of that one? I liked it, but I like Rosie's a lot better. And uh, Maria Devana had the writes the Magonia series. Mm. Oh, I have that book. I haven't read it yet, though. <laughs> I, you didn't like it, right? I liked it. Okay. But mm. I didn't love it. Okay. You can follow Cat Howard at Cat with Sword, which is a great at, actually. And perfect for she's her. Uh, she's a fencer. Cat with sword. Oh, she is? In real life, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is, here's a shameless plug for our interview between two lockers <laughs> with Cat Howard. Go find out how she wields swords, and she's actually Gansey from the Raven Cycle, <laughs> and she studied medieval literature and lots of badass ladies of the past. Nice. She's awesome. I was imagining, full disclosure, a chubby fat tabby cat with a <laughs> big sword oh cat okay. <laughs> like a she cat does have, she does have one very chubby cat who is the best <laughs> which she also talks about in her interview so you guys should read it and find out <laughs> how her her editorial assistant <laughs> with the fuzzy paws managed to print out a manuscript of hers oh no. <laughs> yeah her cats are the best that's awesome we are gonna move into our appetizer and for everyone who's just following us along, all of the food and music comes from the book. So all of the food items were things that the actual characters ate or didn't eat. <laughs> As the case may be. As the case may be. This one is cold fries. <laughs> Which just, oh. Anyway, yeah. not cold my favorite at all. Yeah. These poor people don't get to eat very well they at their they school. Well, they, they get the personalized okay. meals, like yeah, in their residences. But I think the bar or whatever that they go to is called yeah. there. Like, hey, let's go there, <laughs> um, which would get really confusing. I feel like in conversation. <laughs> but yeah, they said that the food there wasn't the food there at there wasn't very good. <laughs> so, who picked this topic? Was it you, Jenny? Yes, it was. Nice. I like <laughs> it. Creating art. What would you give to be great? I would not spend seven years in fairy. That's for damn sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not worth it to me. Maybe before I was married. Maybe. Yeah. If I like, I don't know. See, I have anxiety though. And I feel like <laughs> just <laughs> being there, I feel like the fairies would prey on it. Probably. That's how fairies work. Yeah. yeah. Like when they made her relive all those horrible memories with her mother, like I don't think I could, I don't think I could handle it. I'm a wimp. <laughs> yeah, so you're with Ariel, and I'm with Ariel, too. I love Ariel. She's my fave. Ariel was great. She's a great side character. I would give her my BFF charm. <laughs> she is the only one in the book who doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, that, that she's the smartest one for that. I, I, st- I don't know. The whole novel is basically this, you know, what will you give? Mediocrity versus greatness, insecurity versus ambition, as you said, Jenny, a great discussion on the torment of creating art. And it's true. It's a real torment for some of these folks. Yeah, I absolutely love the whole scene going through the book about female ambition and what what would you do? And would you get your sister out of the way <laughs> to, to be so wildly successful for yourself? And w- w- at what point do you draw the line? You two would draw it at spending seven years in fairy. I don't know if I would or not. I don't know. Sometimes I look at everybody who's on the New York Times bestseller list and think, yeah, I'd like to be number one, but do I want to give up seven years of my life? I don't know. Well, it could be also that my profession is not the arts. So, like, maybe if it was, I would feel differently about it. I mean, I'm a teacher, (laughs) 
So if I were like a writer or a painter or something, then maybe I would have that drive to overlook, you know, the horror that is being in fairy for seven years. But because it, it doesn't really apply to me, it's easy to say like, mm, no thanks. <laughs> I went to law school. That's like one big pain tie, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> From everyone I, I talked to about law school, <laughs> including <Yeah>. my parents. <laughs> I'm an artist, but I still don't think I would do that. I am also a person that truly believes in balance. And this book is kind of, it's about balance, but the balance is they take one person. So they don't take everybody. Right. They just need one sacrifice, right? And I believe in, like, the little sacrifices to make that more doable for a singular person. Right. Well, and I don't know if if you want your life to be all consumed by art or if you want to continue doing it as, you know, your hobby and your safe space once you get home from work. Like, I think there are pluses and minuses. I love to write. I would like to be published at some point. But then I sometimes I see authors on Twitter talking about what it's like to actually be a successful writer. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I don't want people harassing me about who I, I'm casting in the movie. Because, you know, if, side note, authors don't cast people in movies. <laughs> but their fans think they do. <laughs> so, you know, there, there are lots of little indignities, I think, that com- go along with uh, gaining immense fame. And Maggie Stiefvater talks about it a lot. Or you end up like the love interest, and I can't even remember his name because I thought he was kind of like Evan. Yeah, yeah. the fuck boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. That, that is a good term. For that him. is a great term. Who you know he gets what he wants, but what he wants is the ability to basically party and be the toast of the party <laughs> without consequences and fuck who he wants whenever he wants and basically have it be about him yeah which is an e- which is an ego burst boost for sure but if you just want your ego boosted yeah you don't have to be the best at everything you could be kim kardashian i guess <laughs> yeah yeah like i i play music and i enjoy it but anytime someone's like oh let me hear you i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> so like i would love to like be at a place like malit is that how you pronounce Mal- it i think it's malit malit where I just had the time and space to just like play music for nobody but me, but I am not aiming for fame and success at it. Like it's a hobby, like Jenny was saying. I don't want to be on a stage. I don't want people like knowing my name and <laughs> like it freaks me out. So I would like to be there, but I would not take the toast. Oh, I definitely want to be there. Like it Going to a big, creepy mansion in the woods <laughs> with a night market, which we'll get to later. Uh, oh, my God. Yes. And all I have to do is write, and there are hot guys <laughs> and whiskey. <laughs> I yes. Mean, yes. Minus the night market and the hot guys, that's basically how I spent my 30th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I like that's was true, yeah. feeling all this pressure to have a big party with everybody I know, because that's what people do when they turn 30. And I was like, you know what? I just want to be alone and read. And that's what I did. I booked myself a cabin in the woods in Sonoma County. And I went and I took my ukulele and I took some books and I took some food that I was going to cook for myself and got a massage and just spent the rest of the time just chilling in the cabin and reading in the woods. And like a couple people were just like, uh, 
why? <laughs> I don't get it. But other people were like, that's awesome. <laughs> I was telling my husband, like, Garrett, sounds like she's having so much fun. <laughs> I want to do this. Can I do this? Oh, God. It was my <laughs> best birthday ever. Yeah. And, like, I mean, my husband was cool with it. I was just like, hey, so I'm doing this. You're not invited. Just <laughs> want to let you know where I'm going. <laughs> That's kind of like me with every book Love club you. that we have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this and you're not invited. Bye. I just started reading this month's book and there's a book club reference in it too. Well, we can talk about that later. I love it. I feel like now the more we read these, the there's like repeat book lover references. You know, we mm-hmm. have all these artist stuff coming up. Um, there's a lot of repeat themes that are kind of catering to those of us who like to read these books. Did you guys catch the Harry Potter reference in this book? There was a lot of other references in this Uh, book. Hold on, I highlighted it (laughs) on my Kindle. (laughs) I'm looking for my highlight. I highlighted a lot of things because there was just so much quotable goodness in this book. Here it is. Okay, it's after uh, Imogen? 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 I don't know how to pronounce these names. I'm sorry. Um, after she decided that she would go for being the tithe, she asked her mentor, what happens next? Do I need to file paperwork or something? Throw my name into an eternally burning goblet? And I was like, <laughs> yes. Goblet of fire <laughs> reference. <laughs> I dig it. Do you want to read some of these quotes you put down, Jenny? Yeah. So, like I, like I already said, both in my review and just now, I I just love the discussion of mediocrity versus greatness and what you would give and there were a couple quotes here that i highlighted uh this one's from page 74 of the hardcover the arts have their own version of the your mom joke that you need more fans than just your mom but just because your mom liked it or put it on her refrigerator or thinks you should be cast as hamlet after seeing you as the second shepherd in the christmas play it doesn't matter that that and three bucks will get you a ride on the subway i didn't get the last line the one about that and three bucks will get you a ride on the subway. What is that? That's all it's worth. Like, if you have three dollars, now you can ride on the subway, too. Right. Just your just the approval of your mom isn't going to get you on the subway. You need that oh, and okay, three dollars, and then you can get on the subway. <laughs> so Okay, it's a metaphor. <laughs> yes. I was like, what does the subway have to do? <laughs> I take things literally. I definitely have that. My my dad, I love him dearly. To this day, every, every time he's like, why aren't you writing? Why, I mean, Aww. I don't think he's read anything since I was 18. And, <laughs> you know, that's like half my life ago now. So, <laughs> but it's just like, it's, you do, there are those parents who like unconditionally will just believe whatever greatness comes out of you. <laughs> and there are, and sometimes that's hard for kids to learn what, the, okay how to, to translate yeah. from like the support of your family that, maybe you aren't thinking too critically about your work to what does it mean to have a real audience? What does it mean to be that vulnerable for someone who's not someone who gave birth to you and has to unconditionally love you? (laughs) I told my mom when I became a writer for FYA and she was like, okay. And I was like, Oh, okay. I thought you'd be more excited. And she goes, I mean, yay. (laughs) I was like, well, I'm not sending you the links to anything. All right. <laughs> Jeez, mom. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least she's not like Imogen and Baron's oh, mother. Oh, <laughs> dude. Not, no. Not anywhere even close. Does she's she have art that she likes? Yeah. I mean, she likes to write. 
<laughs> and I, I was a journalism major in college, and she was always, you know, would save my newspaper articles and stuff. So Aww. I don't know. I was like, FYI is kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's like international. We a lot of people clubs. read it. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, okay, great. <laughs> Tell her we get, I think it's, oh, I don't know. I don't know what our stats currently are, but we have, yeah, we have a lot of readers. We have more than Just 80 Print out your Google, Google stats. <laughs> yeah. We'll send you a stat sheet. Like, <laughs> look, mom, I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I like this one, too, from Helena, who self-distracts, actually. Oh, that's so sad. What if this is all I have? If I never get any better than I am, then I'm not good enough. I'm adequate, competent, but not good. Not fucking good enough. And don't try to tell me there isn't a difference. And then Imogen says, not having enough talent seemed almost worse than not having any, because having a little meant just having just enough to know what you lack. I really oh. like that quote. So true. Oh, my God. That, like, every time, like, most recently I picked up The Hate You Give and read it all the way through and went, <gasps> that's it. I'm never going to be published. No. This, mm. this is so good. It is so good. And every once in a while I, I will read a book and go, nope, there's no point in me even trying. That's apparently back at the number one mm-hmm. of the bestsellers list right now. I just saw yep. her tweeting earlier. <laughs> it's our November book, too. Oh, nice. Somebody that I'm friends with on Facebook wrote, A, I hate reading, and B, I hate when people recommend books to me, but I'm going to break both of those rules to recommend The Hate You Give. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing. And I was like, I don't know whether to be like offended that he said, I hate reading and hate like getting book recommendations or just happy that this book broke through his barrier. That's interesting. Yeah. Six of one and half dozen of the other. <laughs> How yeah. do you not love reading? Come on. Well, I mean, Jamal doesn't read because he's dyslexic. Yeah. So it's actually really, that's why he watches shows. Because his brain doesn't have to concentrate, you know. Oh, no. I, well, I, I, yeah, I realize that that. There are other people who actually just don't like to read. Yeah, I don't understand people who just don't like to read, not have difficulty with it, but just don't like it. It's magical. Yeah, some people don't know how to exercise their imagination, which is also a lot of what this book is about, is really and truly exercising that, like, muscle. Does he like audiobooks? Jamal? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He'll Mm -hmm. listen to an audiobook, but when the books that I had, like, the what he wanted to have the audiobook, he didn't have it. And And the narrator can really make or break it. Oh, yeah. I still remember the first audiobook I ever heard, which was Shelby Foote. It was a history of the Civil War. And I don't know, have you ever heard Shelby Foote? He's just like mm-hmm. classic southern old boy, like has things in his mouth oh, yikes. sound. <laughs> but when he's narrating like the blues versus the grays, like it really felt real. I mm. felt like I was in that part of the country at that time. Oh, cool. Oh, man. Measuring up as artists, though. That's one of my rules is that you can't compare yourself to others i mean you will if if you are someone who's trying to be an artist on a mark a marketable artist you will get compared to others because that's how we apparently have to think about things as humans but if you want to be a healthy sane person you can't read someone else's work and then be like yeah my work will never measure up because it's just it's it's no just self-defeating yeah there's that that saying comparison is the thief of joy and Mm. it's so true but but I find, like many of these characters, I find it almost impossible not to compare myself to even just a little. Well, especially in this book, because the reason people come to this uh, school, I don't know, artist compound, whatever, is to just 
you know, you do you or whatever. Like you have mm-hmm. the time, you have the space to do everything, to do nothing, like whatever you need to clear your head and just focus on your work. And then the Fae, because they're petty bastards, are like, we're actually going to like pick who we think are the best and pit you all against each other for one spot. Who can, you know, neither, neither. who's the weakest link or whatever. And I mean, the Fae, they just like to fuck with people. So I feel like they're taking what is appealing about the school, at least to me, and just being like, um, yeah, no. Oh, God, I just realized it's a metaphor for law school, and Kat Howard did go to law school. Oh, interesting. It, in her interview, she, uh, she mentioned that the law doesn't really make it into her books, but she's wrong. <laughs> 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 no, you that is totally law school. Well, I also thought that the time turners were another Harry Potter reference. Because it made me think of Prisoner mm-hmm. of Azkaban. Oh, the hourglasses. Yeah. Oh, I'm so mad I didn't catch that. That was <laughs> the first thing I thought of. Because that's also my favorite Harry Potter book. So I've read that one the most. But yeah, they just... The Fae love a good mind fuck. Like that, like putting pebbles in your bed and... Turning <laughs> your milk sour. Turning your milk sour when you put it into your coffee. Yeah. That's why you should always drink your coffee black. <laughs> That's an that's, that's another law did. school thing. You well, I just like bitter things. IPA, coffee. Ah. <laughs> Our main course is some of these continuing conversations, but bad burgers and blizzard soup. Also, <laughs> mean mothers and the feral fae. Mean mothers, classic YA trope, classic fairy tale trope. And I just realized we were talking about this earlier. I thought she never shows up, but she shows up at the very end. She does. I d- now I'm wondering if I just didn't finish the book. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I did. I think I did on the airplane. Oh, well, that explains that. It's hard to focus on an airplane. Yeah. Sorry. But she's really a plot device for most of the story. Yeah, because she exists mostly in their memories and she's nasty emails and packages that they think are human heads. <laughs> 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 yeah. Just the one, but still. What did it end up being in the box? Oh, it was a picture of them. Of like a really, of their really their terrible worst night. day or whatever. Yeah. She's so, ugh. I don't know. Maybe she's a fae. Like, look at how petty and horrible she is. Possibly. Her mother displays all the classic signs of narcissism, which if you guys ever go on Reddit and you read the Raised by Narcissists sub, it is really interesting. And it just, like, all of the casually cruel things she does, but displays this outward charming personality to everybody else so nobody believes that she's that awful that's all classic narcissist behavior and i i follow cat on twitter she's always talking about how wonderful her mother is <laughs> like how did you write this terrible <laughs> terrible mother like she is awful she said that it was uh she just followed the trope of the wicked stepmother mm-hmm. but it was so good <laughs> in my opinion i really like that they integrated the stories she was writing in the book. I'm a sucker for a book within a book. <laughs> like a lot of people skip over the Simon Snow chapters in Fangirl. I, do. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so interesting. I was glad that these were actually good stories. Because <laughs> sometimes, like with Simon Snow, I did not like those at all. I liked it in the context of Fangirl. But Carry On as its own book. As much as I love Harry Potter and all of the Harry Potter imagery and Rainbow Rowell, it's just like, eh. <laughs> it's just it's so hard to read it and not compare it to Harry Potter. For me, it's worse when they include poetry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I what I thought was interesting is that the fiction 
in the book is kind of poetry. It's kind of prose a tree. Mm-hmm. And there is no demarcation between the two. There's no text difference. There's no italics versus... In my book, it is an italic. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. The Kindle version's not, but it has a little little line to separate regular book from this part. So there's oh a part of her story now, and then another little line. Well, this is maybe me making up the mother not appearing as well again, <laughs> but if when I read it, I don't remember there being a difference. It mm-hmm. was just like, you know, the story and then her writing... And I thought that that was a way to even more fully weave the reality and the and the fantasy together mm. as a way to be like, but cross the border. Like we're living in Lalit, but we're still kind of living in the Shadowlands of Fairy, basically. Yeah. It is very similar. That is kind of, so, all right. I love fantasy. It's one of my favorite genres, but I don't like magical realism and I don't like urban fantasy, which by the way, is not like a racist coded language for fantasy written by a black author. Urban fantasy actually means fantasy <laughs> that takes place in an urban environment, like a city that already exists, just in case anybody didn't know that. Because part of the main thing I think I love about fantasy is world building. So I feel like it's kind of cheating to set your fantasy in a world that already exists that you're just like borrowing. It feels like a cop out to me. So I really didn't know anything about this book going into it. It was like, oh, two sisters go to art school. All right. Um, <laughs> And I was like, oh, I'm really loving this book. And then it's like fairies. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and it took me a while to to get reinvested in it after <laughs> that. Um, but I, there are some books that it works for, like Daughter of Smoke and Bone. It starts off in Prague, right? But then, right. She, but then the author has still created this rich, imaginative fantasy world. But in this book, it's like a forest. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the fairy forest, which is, uh, you know, really, as someone who's read probably too much of that type of of story it was uh, it was an obvious thing to me i was like oh yeah. you know the fairy forest the night market even the end scene where she has to wrestle her sister and her sister turns into all the different things those are all very traditional mm-hmm. things that happen in fantasy and like nothing new it was interesting i mean she wove them all together very well yeah yeah i i did end up really liking this book but Yay, I'm glad. i had a a mini setback <laughs> when I first read the part that there were fairies <laughs> involved. I'm like, uh, yeah, I okay. didn't tell. Can't so just be one or the other. <laughs> no, all right, let's do this. I didn't tell Pa, who is the founder of FYA, that this was a fairy book when we we were trying to pick books. I just said, oh, you know, it's it's sexy and it's about art school and sisters and you know, it's kind of dark. I'm pretty sure that's your description that I was going off of based Probably, on this book yeah. and I was like oh okay yeah so I didn't I like, tell like she hates fairy books <laughs> I'm not really into fairies either as much as I love fantasy that's like I like some I, I mean like Holly Black's fan of fairy books I yeah think those I are can't good. really get into Holly Black I don't know fairies are just like right below vampires on the books that are just like eh for me but uh, I just really liked this one so <laughs> the Maybe part I that felt flat for me was chance. actually the sister relationship really Oh, I thought that was... I didn't find it believable that Imogen would push... And now I'm forgetting their... Marin. I want to say Marin, just because we we live in the Bay Area. Marin. But it's probably probably Marin. Marin. (laughs) Yeah, she pushed Marin, like, really, like, drug her kicking. Or is it the other way around? It's the other way. Marin got in... Marin is the one who pushed Imogen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kicking and screaming to Malit. And then once she finds out that she is the tithe... 
I just didn't believe like some of the stuff I the way she started acting after that I just didn't buy it well you are the only one of us that has a sister (laughs) but I don't know I think to me it made sense because uh you know, to be told that you're that good and you're that special and you could be the best, you know, that's intoxicating. That changes you, yeah. yeah. Not to mention, like, probably the fairy magic or whatever. Um, and the fact that she was, excuse my language, fucking the king of the fairies. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I so waited for him to, like, and, like, he's going to be deceiving. He is not, like, what he says he is. He's king of the fairies. Obviously, it has an agenda. And then he turned out to be, like, nice guy the whole time. And I was like... A legitimate nice oh. guy, not nice guy, trademark. <laughs> <laughs> Capital yeah. letters. But I was, I thought that when Imogen found out that she could stop the tithe and Gavin was trying to convince her to do it to keep her sister alive, they never really, ex- he never explained why really that he thought she would die other than she got weak She's and fell weak. off the horse the first time. Yeah. But he's just like, if she goes to fairyland, she will die. You have to stop her because I can't. And uh, Imogen just kind of took him at his word. Yeah. And Even I was though like they don't uh, always tell the truth. Well, well, I think they have. Well, uh, see, I guess they do have to tell the truth. Well, I took it as emotionally and physically weak from her mother's, their mother's abuse. Mm. And physically weak because, you know, being a dancer is really hard work. So that's, that's how I took it. I took that she physically and emotionally would not survive. I just thought he had some ulterior motive for luring her into right, cause going and then not wanting her to go. Uh. I was like, what is he up to? Is he trying to get um, Imogen to try to stop her and fail so that the Fae will get to keep her? And then they'll oh have like a forever tithe? Like what? Because <laughs> they're so weak from Evan's fuckboy ass. Who's <laughs> 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 just so grief stricken over the loss of his fairy queen. Yeah, sure. I didn't understand how... The fairy queen wasn't Gavin's paramour. I didn't understand how. I I thought that for a while, but I think it's succession. I think she was the queen and then she died and then Gavin became king. I don't think they. Oh, you don't think it was. I thought they did for a while, but I was like, that doesn't really make sense. Okay. Yeah, there were a few things in the book that were unclear, but I like the rest of it enough that I well okay i was also like gavin how are you gonna bring this girl here and mentor her and make her the best and then be like oops now she's the tithe my (laughs) bad (laughs) well doesn't she get to spend it with him though but then he's like oh she can't do it i don't know well maybe it was an attack of conscience but the night market is such a classic idea and neil gaiman stardust yeah and i love that version as well i'm um listening to the audiobook version of The Night Circus because Jim Dale reads it and he does the Harry Potter audiobooks. That's literally <laughs> the only reason that I <laughs> went for audiobook instead of print for this one. But, um, I mean, it, yeah, it definitely reminded me of The Night Circus. Like, it appears you don't really know when it's going to be there and there's all these performers and magic. And I was just like, oh, yeah. It does sound really fun. I want to go. Every <laughs> once in a while, there'll be a craft show described as a night night market and it can tell you have an Etsy shop I've been invited to participate every once in a while and I feel like it would be really cool except I get there and be really disappointed because I know my wares aren't magical <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think do anybody know that? well as far as I know they're not magical they don't transport people to other worlds they don't uh, talk to you or sing to you yet so yeah oh that's true <laughs> maybe maybe my fairy prince will come along and <laughs> <laughs> hopefully he's not a fuck boy my jewelry 
that's one of the things I, I since I'm working for the street artist program and like doing craft markets I just I love the concept of a night market because it's usually during the day and everyone mm-hmm. does it really early and it would be super fun if we could do an evening one they kind of have it with first Fridays in Oakland although that has become something entirely different than its original concept the art stuff kind of gets shoved to the side and it's really just a street party where people eat food trucks and get drunk yeah um that's what I figure probably the ones I've been invited to do would be yeah I did hear a couple of the artists talking about one in Colorado where it's so hot during the day people don't come out until the sun sets so you don't finish until midnight basically and I love the idea of like truly a like once the clock strikes 12 then you better get out of your stuck there (laughs) (laughs) that would be cool yeah I love how the Faye um, started off being very careful and using their glamours and, oh, what was that? That was just a trick of the light. Nothing weird here. Move along. <laughs> and then by the end, it was like they didn't give a fuck anymore. And they're just like horns and <laughs> green skin and whatever else, like wings just strolling through the night market, like whatever. <laughs> That's We're here. Deal with it. part about fa- fairy books is when <laughs> they finally drop all their glamours. And they're like, oh, boy, this is sexy and dramatic and dangerous <laughs> and still people who go to Malit find a way to rationalize it like oh those artists they sure <laughs> do put together a good costume don't they their <laughs> well, cosplay is excellent <laughs> the <artists are> weird. <laughs> <laughs> like the um the little sea monster that appeared in the moat oh first yeah. of all there's a moat around one of the houses and then there's a sea monster in it and the guy who was just like I can't see the gears. How is it moving? <laughs> I don't understand. I'm going to go knock on the door and see if I can figure this shit out. <laughs> I was kind of sad we didn't really get to see into the other residences. We got yeah. to see into the artist's um, studios a little bit, but I would have loved to be like, who's living in the moat? We <laughs> didn't really meet that many other students. Not really. I mean, I guess the idea is to not necessarily stay secluded, but to, I mean, you can if you choose to, so... I really liked how um, Helena's story mm-hmm. unfolded because like when she was so protective of like wanting the bedroom on the third floor and then later we realized like, oh, that's because that was her father's bedroom when he was here. That's why she like felt like she had a right to it and just like all the little things. And yeah, can you imagine having a legacy? Oh, Lord. No, <laughs> no, that was an interesting twist. I thought that was well done, actually. Mm hmm. We did we did talk a little bit about the fuckboy already. <laughs> but I said he was a lame lover. He was. I was I was kind of happy that the lame in, the yeah. love interest was lame. It didn't I'm need I'm to be a laid. main part of it. I thought it was great that she got laid and glad that he wasn't the focus of the story cuz he was lame and also I don't know, two artists in a relationship. That's a lot of a lot of being really in tune with your emotions, I think. We actually have a couple that uses this studio, mm-hmm. and is they got the married. couple that has really loud sex in the middle of the night? No, that yeah, is a, a note that <laughs> got left for somebody that they don't know who was the couple having sex. And for everybody who's wondering about that, I'll take a photo <laughs> 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 and put it up on FYA. But yes, we're in a studio that says to the couple who has really loud sex, and loud sex is underlined twice, in the middle of the night, you are keeping your neighbors from sleeping. Please be more, what is it, considerate? <laughs> yep. Yes, but I was going to say the two the couple that uses this they got married last year and all of their disagreements are about their art cuz they actually make music together. 
Oh. And processing together is one of the more difficult things. I love being married, but if I was trying to do anything <laughs> collaborative with my husband, I think one of us would die. <laughs> he always has these great ideas. He's like, we should work together on this great idea that I came up with. I'm like, no, I, no, I love you, but I don't want to work with you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Tracy Chapman used to date Alice Walker, I think. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. I think. And I was just, when I found that out, I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> like, that is just a lot of. Oh, we are really going to get based out here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of uh, emotions and artist strife for one relationship. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Two really strong people there. I think, let me double check that. I think. But I do have a question. I mean, the real love affair in the book is the love affair with one's art. Yeah. You know. And and or one's greatness, either your ego or your art or both. It can mm -hmm. be the same for some people. My question is, does every YA have to have a love interest or can we divest? Because I feel like we've gotten. Yes, they did. Tracy Chapman and Alice Walker. Sorry. Nice. <laughs> no, thank you for fact checking. Well, there's an article called 15 Lesbian Couples Time Forgot. <laughs> 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 anyway, we should link to that. <laughs> Put it in pro tips. I feel, though, that we've had a few books now where the love interest has been secondary. Mm -hmm. You know, traditional ways, the love interest is the story. And, and even when we were talking about Kiss of Deception, how the love interest keeps coming back and keeps coming back, keeps beating you over the head. But I don't think we need it. Like, the story should carry itself. Not always. I think, uh, like we talked about in Kiss of, Decemption, Kiss of Deception, I, as a teenager, would have wanted lots of kissing. In fact, I'm writing something now and I'm getting mad at my narrative because I know that uh, they should stay apart. My protagonist should stay apart, but they really just want to kiss like for the next <laughs> 150 pages. That would be great. Uh, but I read a lot of YA for FYA and I've been noticing a trend of, you know, if the love interest like in conviction, there's yeah. a love interest, but it's very, very, very secondary or tertiary in that case. I think it's becoming a trend. Well, first I was kind of mad that she went back to Evan. Well, first it was because he didn't tell her the truth about the whole fairy thing. <laughs> and then she was like, you know what? If you decide that you're in it, then I'm in it. But if not, I'm going to not waste time pining over you. And I was like, all right, I can respect that. Especially because she probably wouldn't have believed him without seeing it herself. Even when she did see it herself, she was like, nope, trick of the light. Nothing yeah. weird here. And then she gave him another chance. And then she walked in on him fucking someone else. Which was a great scene. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And she, oh, when she told the, um, I don't like know. His assistant. Or yeah. That she's yeah. like, no, I'm going to leave out of the, she was like, oh, you can go out the back. And she's like, no, I'm going to walk through the front door because, like, what did she say? She said, because I don't, I'm, I'm not something to be hidden or something she like that. She wasn't embarrassed. She was like, this yeah. isn't about yeah. me. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's like, good for you. I would not have had that presence of mind in that situation at that age. Oh. Yeah, I really like, I guess, I mean, maybe this goes more with it being an adult novel rather than a YA novel, but I thought she handled it really maturely. Mm -hmm. And when she did need comfort and her sister wasn't talking to her, she went back to Evan and she was just like, this is purely because, like, I want to feel something. So <laughs> have your way with me. <laughs> you know, she didn't have any, she didn't spend the whole book pining over him. Like, she was pissed off as she had a right to be, but then she was just like, you know, fuck it. He's not worth it. I'll go back to him if I want to get mine. <laughs> but 
I'm not letting him back in my life and I'm not going to waste my time pining over a guy who wasn't worth it. And I was like, yes, yeah. I like that. I really like the way that was handled. Yeah. But she was really she was mature about rate. it. But yeah. I mean, at, you know, 16 or whatever, you want oh. someone you can identify with. And then a breakup feels like the worst thing in the world and your life is falling apart. So yeah, I think that's why characters in actual YA books fall more toward that end of the relationship spectrum because that's yeah, at 16 what their audience identifies with. I would have thrown a vase at his head and not been sorry. <laughs> I was like, you should have broken one of the statues or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> well, but she respects the art, though. That's true. That's true, yeah. So I don't she wasn't petty. She not she like No, she didn't take no. it personally because she knew it wasn't about her. Yeah, it's very commendable and mature. I would still be petty. I would definitely be petty. <laughs> 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 Thank you for joining us for the Roses and Rot version of Book Plate. We will see you next month for If I Let Your Girl by Meredith Russo. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at 4, the number 4, ever YA. And we're also on Instagram, Pinterest, Libsy, Goodreads, and any other social media you can think of. And make sure to find us at foreveryoungadult.com. And look for our interview with Kat Howard, the author of Roses and Rot. We'll see you next time. One last quick quote, because I love to find Harry Potter in everything. There is a line that says, there's no sin in ambition, just denying it. Slytherin motto merch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <gasps> All right. Like <laughs> see you next month. <laughs>